Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Awaiting your phone calls and text messages <laughs> yeah, for on. Julie Wise and Horn. Bring them on. Bring them on. From the University of Minnesota <laughs> and from the Abiders. Not necessarily in that order. Somebody had a question about that. I your know, band. I know. Do we need to talk about that? Yeah, well, we'll do that. We'll, we'll talk about that. In the meantime, we do, as I said, welcome your uh, lawn and garden questions. Uh, either uh, by phone or by text. Let me give you the phone number, 651-989-9226. If you want to use the phone, I urge you to do that uh, now because we tend to get busy and you might find the lines busy if you wait a little bit. So call us with your lawn or garden question. Or if it's easier, send Julie a text, 81807-81807. Just kind of a heads up, Julie, because you reminded me and I want to remind our listeners <clears throat> that next week, the next two Saturdays, right, right, we'll have two special guests. Yes, hosts. yeah, uh, Master Gardener Kate Netwall and Sam Bauer, the Guru of Green. Yeah, so if you have a lawn specifically, be, uh, a turf on, question, yeah, they'll be covering for Teresa and I. Uh, we're both going to be at Horticulture Days. I'll uh-huh. be up in uh, Chisago City at the uh, Chisago County Master Gardener Horticulture Day, and I'll be at the uh-huh. Isanti County. Oh yeah. Uh, the next week. So North Branch next weekend and Cambridge the next. So Kate, the Master Gardener will be here, but if there yes. are specific turf questions, if yeah. you're already planning ahead on your lawn, Sam's the guy you want to Sam's talk with. Sam's on the schedule. So Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, they're going to yeah. team up. Good deal. That'll be next week. Next week and the following week. And the following week. All right. 651. I know folks are calling in and we'll get to your calls in just a moment. So be patient. Let the phones ring. Our guy is getting some chow. chow. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll talk about. It. Uh, is there a text there that you can grab here? I yeah. Can't see so it from somebody here. asked about. Uh, they have three hibiscus trees covered with white flies. One of the trees is nearly fifty years old. Holy camoli! How can I get rid of these? So uh, I did a little looking on our extension website. Uh huh. And uh, and white flies are kind of moth-like insects. They're very small. The adults, uh, they look like little tiny white flies. They do fly around, but they're not true flies. They're more uh, – they're sucking insects more like a scale or a mealybug or an aphid. And the juveniles, the, the immature uh, white flies, actually are on the underside of leaves and they look kind of just like a pale little oval shape. They're really hard to see. And uh, so you have to look underneath those leaves. But the the solutions for treating those are uh, to wash the plant, wash the leaves, and that you could wash with just water um, and maybe a little bit of soap uh, and then rinse it well. But you can also add – there's a number of chemicals. Uh, permethrin is one. Uh, some other kinds too. You can find those on the uh, – at your garden center. You can also use neem oil or horticultural oils. Those are, have a little bit lower impact on the on uh, any beneficials. And then uh, you'll, you're going to want to spray that application about every five days. Mm. So it's uh, it's intensive, and they're hard to see. They're really small, and they fly. You know, they 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 get you disturb them, and they whew, you know pop up from the leaf. So, um, but they're hard to see on that underside. That's a lot of the. That's usually where those insects uh, reside is under leaves. So it's you got to look all over the leaves when you're looking for pests. But if you're going to treat it, you can't treat them now. 
Well, indoors okay. you could, uh, indoors. but you, whenever you treat these plants, even if you're using one of the lower impact, uh, you want to isolate that plant. You want to do it outside if you can. If, yeah. you, if there's a nice day out, True. That's a good you point. can do that. You can also bag it with a big contractor's bag, you know, a big plastic bag. Bag it, and then you could poke a little hole in there and spray it too. But um, that's a little more, little more work. I do that with my lemon tree once in a while when I'm spraying horticultural soap or um, uh, horticultural oil because it's, it's kind of messy. So that's the other thing. But you could do it in the garage. You want to do it in an open air place, away from pets, away from other people, well, away idea. from food, because you don't even want the horticultural oils uh, getting into uh, things you might consume. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or send a text eight one eight zero seven. Sheila is calling from North Oaks. Sheila, you're on with Julie. Well, hi. This is your your weekly Christmas cat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, when I got this at Christmas time, it was blooming. Sure. And now it looks like it needs water, but I'm afraid to water it. I put a couple ice cubes in there, and then it's got a couple little pink buds at the end that never do anything. They just kind of wither. Okay. Um, uh, so it looks, does it look wilted? Well, a little bit, but, you know, they say you shouldn't water it much. So what's the watering deal? Well, the, the first thing is you want to make sure that if you're watering it, that it's draining really well. So is it doing that? Or is water coming out the bottom? I've got it in that red paper yet for okay. Christmas. So you need to take it out of that paper when you water it. Okay. Uh, the problem, the biggest problem with Christmas cactus is is that if we don't let them drain well, you'll often contract root rot, which oh. will ultimately kill the plant. And that wilting could be the result of overwatering, of too much water sitting in that bottom of that plastic or of that oh. rubber. So take it out, put it in the sink. Water it, make sure it drains really well, and then put it back. You can put it back in the foil, or you could put it in an, a decorative pot. But just okay. always be sure it drains really well. Okay. And, uh, and those plants like to be in cooler locations and uh, kind of a brighter light. So look around your house for, you know, uh, keep it out of heat registers and away from really hot, like western windows that are hot, anything like that. So cooler temperatures are better for it. All right, very good, Sheila. Thank you. Uh, there's a line open at 651-989-9226. You know, we're getting questions every week about winter sewing. Oh, sure. Uh, can we talk, like, what it is for new listeners? Yeah, so winter sewing is um, a, a, a way to start plants early. And what I've seen from winter sewing is uh, that you do at home is an easy way to do it is use, like, a gallon milk jug, an empty oh, yeah. plastic gallon milk jug, one that's, cl- you know, somewhat transparent. You don't want. I don't think you want to use, like, a solid white one. Uh, I'm not really sure about that, but I think you need a little more light. And uh, and you cut it just in around the middle so the handle is kind of loose and it can you can flip it back, you fill it with soil and you sow some seeds in there and you close it back up and tape it shut and those seeds will germinate in there. They'll get the light and they'll germinate in there. Bachman's actually has a great publication on winter sowing on his website. So you oh, can really? take a look at that. Good yeah, we know. don't have anything on our website about it yet. But I, I did find a really good one from Bachman's. Excellent. Good deal. Julie, I know we have to take a quick break here. I want to remind our listeners, our show, Smart Garden, is brought to us every week by our good friends at By the Yard. You can see By the Yard Furniture. They're at the uh, St. Paul Home and Patio Show this weekend. We'll talk about that coming up 
in just a moment. Weather folks say we have freezing fog here in the Twin Cities, an east wind at 8, our CCO temperature reading at 9 degrees. We're hoping to reach about 31 later today. Of course, that forecast coming up in just a few minutes. Nine above. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO. Julie Weisenhauer from the U of M is with us, with you, helping you out Whoops, with your questions. <laughs> that helps. Otherwise, you have to yell real loud. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. And I do see one line is open if you want to use it. Uh, and like Pete in Roseville. He's using it. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Denny. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Uh, quick question. We got a... Uh, bag of dried, mostly rose petals. We were wondering if it was safe to spread those uh, in the soil. We are thinking about where we're spreading it to plant tomato plants. Is, is Will that be okay or is it better just to throw them away or what's your thoughts? Um, I guess my question is why would you spread them in the soil for the tomato plants? What's your objective? Well, I guess fer- fertilizer okay. that sort of thing. Um, I I don't think it's going to hurt anything. It depends if the, uh, are they organic? Do you know that they haven't been treated with anything? Uh, No, I'm not thinking that they're, they were treated. They were like, you know, the roses were like, you know, presents, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so if they're not treated with anything, yeah, you could put them in the soil. Um, you could put them in a composter first and just let them break down. I mean, it's kind of. You know, it's not, they're not, they're so thin and they're so small that they're not going to make much of a difference as far as, you know, affecting the plants negatively okay. or anything. Okay. Provided Thanks. they haven't been tra- treated with something. Okay, Pete. Thank, thanks, Pete, for the question. And uh, Pete leaves that. Was that an interesting l- question. Yeah. I've never had that question, Pete, I have to say. <laughs> That's all right. That was really interesting. 651-989-9226. Uh, text, by the way, text number is 81807. What will grow under pine trees in sandy soil? Oh, boy. You could look uh, on the university's yeah, website for that. Yeah, you could look under the site. You could look on our site. That's a dry shade location. And it's there are not very many plants that would do very well because it's actually quite shaded under those pine trees. It depends on what kinds. If if they're red pines and they're up, you know, the branches are quite high and you get quite a lot of light down there. But if they're say a denser uh, Norway or uh, Austrian pine or something like that, then um, then you're going to have it's going to be more challenging. So you're going to look for plants that can tolerate dry shade. And um, there, you know, I'm thinking hosta. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, Virginia water leaf. That's a, a great early blooming pollinator plant. It spreads quite a bit. Uh, it does have big seed heads. You could just take those off when they do, after the flowers drop off. Um, it, I am thinking about um, some of our hookera that are more hardy, like the purple palace might grow under there. Um, uh, boy, I'm kind of uh, – lily of the valley – might grow under there too. So take a look at our website under uh, perennials. And also you can check the plant elements of design uh, plant database, which is in the, under landscaping on our website. Okay. Very good. And we should probably mention the website, right? Uh, what is that now? <laughs> I bet you know it by heart. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and you'll find that plant database under landscaping. It's just flat plant out selection. a great resource. It, it really is a great is. resource. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. doing a bunch of new be stuff very on proud it, too. Of that. All right, back to the phones. We go Phyllis and Shoreview is next. Phyllis, you're on with Julie. 
Hi, Danny. Hi, Julie. Hi, Phyllis. I have a solution for white flies. Oh, Oh, okay. I have a 40-year-old hibiscus. It's beautiful. Wow. It's six feet high. Wow. It's double blooms. It's that beautiful, beautiful Nice. For years. I fought with those white flies Boy, all you're, winter. You're something else because I'd chuck that thing out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, how, did you, how did you do that? How did you, what'd you do? I my daughter shared with me eucalyptus oil. Okay. You mm. shake some of those eucalyptus oil drops in a little hand sprayer, and you shake it up, and you spray it. Okay. You spray the leaves. You spray the bark. I I used. Everything truly, including a bomb in the room, to just oh, and the flies were terrible. Oh, uh, this I has been now Oof. the two third year that it's bug free. It's fly wow. free. I wow. even used it when we had uh, in the spring when our I had the rhododendrons and the azaleas outdoors. Yes, and all of a sudden they were blooming, but the leaves were missing. Oh dear! And I went and sprayed just because, and I. It became alive with little green worms. Oh, okay. And that killed them. Huh. So it's not it's not uh, dangerous. It's not uh, a chemical. It's a very simple oil product. Oh, what a great tip, Phyllis! Well, that's interesting. How about that? Wow. So how many? So a few drops in a spray bottle. Shake it yeah, up. Yeah, just just you know, you, they come with those little bitty holes. And right. You shake it, shake it, shake it. I use the lavender in the same sort of thing for my. My laundry. Okay. My my ironing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Some, yeah. Some great household hints today. <laughs> wow. Good it, going, Phyllis. I think neem oil would probably act in a similar way. Now, maybe Phyllis tried that. She says she's tried everything, but mm. but uh, yeah. So spraying with eucalyptus oil that that sounded like it worked for her. Yeah, I guess. What a great tip. <laughs> Thanks, Phyllis. Appreciate that. Phyllis leaves that line open. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Texter, uh, and that number, by the way, is eight one eight zero seven for your text messages. Any problem pruning large trees now? What do you think? No, not not really. Not yet. I think you could. I think you could prune them. Sure. There's none that I can think of that would be a problem. If we have warmer days, you know, and you and you you prune birch, for example, you might get a little bit of sap bleeding. It's perfectly normal. Not nothing to be worried about. Texter was wondering about indoor hibiscus and orange tree inside this winter covered with oranges. Can I trim those now or should they be fertilized? I would fertilize those right now, especially because they're covered with oranges. You don't want to be trimming those off. Um, trimming can have uh, can stress a plant for a short time. So right now, because it's loaded with fruit, I would wait till the fruit is till you pick all the fruit off and use it. Uh, I'm wondering if they think it's if it's a calamond. Uh, I think I pronounced that correctly, calamine orange. Um, but I would wait. I'd wait till the fruit is is you know, dropping off. And okay, yeah, all right. Uh, Hang tight on that one. Steve in Minneapolis calling in with a question. Hi, Steve. Thanks for calling. What's your question for Julie? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, listen, I picked some canna lily bulbs last year. Okay, and I planted them, and they bloomed late. I mean, it was like yeah. late August by the time they bloomed. And the thing was, is that when I put them in containers, <clears throat> they were probably eh, about the size of tennis balls, you sure. know, maybe two or three or four. When I pulled them out this last fall, my word, they were like almost the size of football. <laughs> They're huge, yeah. Yeah. So can I plant those uh, like soon, like maybe in the next couple of weeks, early in containers and then transplant them outside when it warms up? 
Yeah, in fact, that is a great idea. Um, if you wait too long on cannas, as you found out, they don't bloom till the end of the summer. It takes right. a while to get large enough to actually bloom. So yeah, yeah planting them now and putting them in a sunny window in your house and okay. then watering them and they'll start to sprout. And, uh, and, and then you can get them outside and transplant them out when they're, you know, actually leafing out and everything. You might, you'll get flowers sooner then. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. All right. Okay. Thank you for the call. I'm going to do that this year too. Are you? I had the same problem Steve did. I, I planted them too late. And, uh, so I actually took, mine are in five gallon buckets that sit inside a, of cedar planter. Oh, sure. So I'm going to, I just put the buckets in the garage. So they're overwintering in there. Ready to go. Yeah. My garage is full of stuff. <laughs> But it's heated. It's heated, yeah. Wow, it lucky is heated, you. yeah. Yeah, it's 50 degrees in there. Oh, neat. All right, I'll tell you what, Julie, we have to take our usual bottom of the hour break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you didn't get your question answered this first one, call us or text us. 651 9896. Text number is 81807. We'll be back with more Smart Garden here on 830 WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on 830 WCCO. Denny Long with the Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, Extension. go Gophers. Yeah, go Gophers. <laughs> um, we have texters, we have callers, uh, but we had a text earlier today. A lot of folks maybe don't know that besides doing the marvelous job you do at the U of M, you are playing a band. Yes. Called the Abiders. The Abiders, yeah. And somebody wanted to know if you have a website. Do you? Yeah, we do have a website. It is uh, theabiders.net. And we are also on Facebook at The Abiders. All right. So, so you can find us that way. Um, they actually said, what is your band's website? We'd like to book you in East St. Paul. So uh, you, can, uh, you can just email me at julieweisenhorn at gmail.com. Oh, okay. So you All can right. do that too. Do but. we get a, a booking fee here for this? Sure, yeah. Okay, fine. Of course. <laughs> we'll negotiate wondering. that later. Just wondering. Sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the text. Yeah, I look uh, forward to hearing from you. Good deal. Uh, speaking of text messages, if you uh, rather, then we'll get back to the phones. That number is 81807. Somebody wanted to know, Julie, are my houseplants considered indirect sunlight, no matter what window it is, if the sun hits them at some point? Uh, well, I... It, no, not really, because uh, by the time the light gets through your windows, uh, it's usually not as it's not as intense mm. as direct sunlight outside. So uh, you can, you know, if you have a really hot westerly window, that's probably as close to in, as close to direct sunlight as you might get. And um, and we usually talk about full sun as as being the most light, the highest light, the most intense light outside. And we're talking six to eight or more hours of sunlight, mm. uh, direct sunlight at that point. So very rarely is there going to be a house that has that much sunlight, that intense, and be considered full sun. Yeah. So that's one of the drawbacks for houseplants is light. Yep. You have to really know what your plant grows best in. But a lot of houseplants are uh, understory tropicals and they do quite well in just a, a bright window or even in a northerly window, some plants do well in that, too. So. Okay. Yeah, good clarification. Yes. All right. Let's go good back question. to the phones. Yes, it was a good question. Brent in Roseville. Brent, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. morning. I a hibiscus tree I bought oh, about six years ago, and it's doing well. And I was told to transplant it, you know, maybe a year or two later, which I did. Okay. But then I was told not to transplant it anymore. 
Huh. And I'm just wondering, you know, into a little bigger container. I'm just wondering, wouldn't that start getting root-bound and everything? Well, I would think so. Um, that's, uh, boy, I, I don't, I would not advise that, I don't think. I think I would, I would transplant it as it got larger. Yeah. And, and if you have to water it, you know, if it, if the water rushes out the bottom, if it has to be, if it's dry within 24 hours after watering it, it has to be watered again. Those are all good indicators that it's overgrowing. It's, uh, it's become quite pot bound. The other thing about it too is that if the tree hibiscus got quite large, which we've talked about this morning already, and if that starts to tip over a lot, then the container's too small and you need to go to a larger container. Okay. And then how about watering in the winter? I have it in the basement in the light area. Okay. You can just water it when it's dry. You just want to feel like the top few inches of soil. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, Brent. Thank you. Brent uh, leaves that line open. 651-989-9226. It really is, isn't it? 651-989-9226 is our phone number or uh, the text number is 81807. Somebody wants to know, I was told my lipstick plant is a terminal bloomer. What does that mean? Okay, so that means that the flowers are on the ends of the stems, on the terminal bud. And uh, the reason for knowing that is if you're cutting it back and you cut those off, it's not going to bloom very well. So uh, you want to um, you want to actually let that get larger. And those are quite, um, if I'm envisioning it correctly, those are those plants can kind of droop over a little bit. They're very, uh, they've got these long uh, kind of reddish orange flowers on them. So yeah, so that's what a terminal bloomer is. Always, a terminal bud. I always like to ask you and your colleagues what, uh, maybe I should ask you this first, what's going on at the Arboretum? Oh, I mean, there's I always just something at going. the Arboretum. You well, they're still, they still have their exhibit on fragrance and flowers mm. and holy cow, if you have not been out there and you like orchids and hyacinth and uh, daffodils and I mean beautiful fragrant flowers. Now's the time to go. The whole great hall, which is the main visitor center area, is filled with exhibits and plants and flowers. And right. in fact, they have a, a glass house in the great hall that's loaded with orchids. It's fantastic. And that yeah, is located uh, right off uh, Highway Five and Forty One. I guess is the yeah, closest just west of Forty One yeah, on Highway yeah, Five for the entrance there. Yeah. yeah. Great place. Great to bring kids out there. Uh, by the way, we've got a bunch of text messages, and if you want to send one in yourself, 81807. Uh, last week you were talking about uh, water for your indoor plants. I collect snow. I have two pails, one for snow, one for holding. Must be holding the melted snow. Yeah, the to water. show how dry the snow was last week, Texter says, I had a five-gallon pail full of snow. When it melted, there was about three inches of water in the pail. Isn't that something? Yeah. Also, I hope thistle seed doesn't grow. I have a lot (laughs) under my bird feeders. Yeah. So that's interesting. Don't know about the thistle seed. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's and that's interesting because when we get if you in the summer when you get like a two or three inch rain, think about how much snow that will be. (laughs) That's true. Just the reverse, right? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Uh, Texter says, "Can you? Where is this? Oh no, here it is. Can I plant?" flower bulbs in the spring or did I need to do that last fall? Yeah, there was another one actually about that too. A bag of tulips that didn't get planted last fall. What should I do with them? The problem with hardy bulbs like tulips, daffodils is they need a cold period. They need to. They need a winter uh, where they are actually cold in order to bloom. And so if you didn't plant them now and they're, they're sitting in a bag in your uh, refrigerator or on a workbench or something like that, 
you want to look them over and you could try forcing them. Mm-hmm. And we have a publication on our extension site about how to force bulbs. Essentially, you plant, you pot them up in a, in a pot, uh, and you put them into the refrigerator and keep them moist. Don't let them dry out. And you do that, you leave them in there for about 10 or 12 weeks. Then you can take it out of there. You've simulated that cold period called stratification. You can take it out, put it in a sunny window, and they should bloom at that point. Um, forcing them will also pretty much deplete the carbohydrates that are stored in the bulb. So replanting them is probably not going to be an option. You'll get a lot of leaves maybe, but it, you know, it might be years before they bloom again. So you would just compost those after they bloom. Okay. Yeah, you see dish gardens a lot right now out at garden centers, and dish, that's what those dish are, gardens. dish gardens. All yeah. right. Yeah, there are a lot of blooming, hardy bulbs. If you have summer bu- summer blooming bulbs like cannas, like the gentleman who called uh, in before, those you can plant in the spring, and they will bloom in the summer. So there's a number of different summer blooming bulbs. Paul in Bloomington text sent a text, can you suggest a variety of daylily that blooms all summer long? Stella de Oro. <laughs> Pretty much, and some of its uh, its relatives. So, uh, otherwise, the other thing you could do is you could select daylilies. You know, this daylily will bloom in early early summer. This one will bloom in the mid midsummer, and and kind of combine different daylilies together that bloom at different times. We we had a text. We had a question earlier about uh, what, and you you were giving suggestions of what would grow under in sandy soil <laughs> under pine trees. And the text says, "Creeping Charlie oh, will yeah. grow well under the." It at grows. least we got our creeping Charlie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Question or comment in? <laughs> I uh, hope today. somebody calls in with creeping Charlie next week when Sam's here. <laughs> I bet it'll happen. Yeah. For those that just Someone's joined, jotted us, that down right now. Julie is uh, mentioning that the next the next two Saturdays. Uh, we'll have uh, actually two folks in here, uh, Kate and uh, Sam. And Sam, as you know, if you're a listener to the show, is is our turf guru. So we're going to be talking, taking your questions and texts about lawns. Yeah, right. that would be great. As I said, maybe by the end of the week, you might even be able to see yours. Now, Kate's a master gardener, so she knows, and she's also a landscaper, so she knows lots of other things. So we'll have a lot of good help in here. Sam's going to be here for two weeks. Yes. I think he'll be on later this spring, too. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that's when we really get the... Deluge of lawn questions. He knows his stuff. All right. Oh, that was the creeping Charlie one. So if you again, if you do have a text eight one eight zero seven, or if you prefer, give us a call eight one eight zero seven. Yeah, it looks like somebody also said go to wintersown dot org for info on winter sewing. So oh. that's winter s and then s o w n all winter sown winter sown dot org. Okay. So thanks for that tip. Very good. I know we're getting calls, and uh, Julie, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back with more of our Smart Garden Show, brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll be back. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. (laughs) And we have callers, Julie, and we have uh, texters as well. Uh, I tell you what, let's let's get Rick and Blaine's question answered for him. Thanks for waiting, Rick. What, What can we do for you? Well, I have a rookie question. I have to. <laughs> I, I I planted. Uh, I put in a garden right in front of my windows, and I did gladiolas last year. Yes. And boy, they were nice, but they don't last long. But it, they were so beautiful, and they, as long as they lasted. Now, I didn't know whether I was supposed to pull those out at the end of the year. I just what I did was just kind of I got a shears and I cut off um, down to you know maybe 
most of it anyway, and I left them in, and then I uh, planted bulbs, uh, crocus, and and tulips. Oh, nice! Uh, in there, in between. Now, do I pull the other ones out, or do I just leave those in and they may bloom again? How does that work? Oh boy, I'm looking up some tender. I'm looking up on our website under tender bulbs, and I don't. Oh, I see gladiola. So here it says, dig six or eight weeks after bloom or when frost kills the foliage. Cure for two to three weeks in a dry, well-ventilated area at about 60 to 70 degrees. Remove old corm and cormels, which they're actually corms, not bulbs, and store in labeled paper bags. So, yes, you should have dug them out. You might want to plant some. Yeah, uh, they may have not made it through the winter. They might have rotted. Um, There's always a chance they didn't, but but it's – they're a tender bulb that needs to be stored indoors. So next year, plant some more, and then then you can look up on the site um, uh, under our Tender Bulbs publication. But it looks like six to eight weeks after they bloom or when the foliage is killed by frost is when you dig them up, and then you let them dry. Okay. Yeah, okay. for a couple of few weeks. And then put them in a paper bag. Label their color, you know, uh, if you know the cultivar or the variety. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Rick. Good. Okay. I'll get the other ones anyway coming up. Well, yeah, the daffodils and stuff. Those are hardy yeah. bulbs. You don't need to dig those up. And daffodils are great because they're actually they're actually poisonous, and so squirrels do not eat them. They don't touch them. Mm-hmm. One bite and no more well, squirrel. Rick, Rick sounds like he's not a rookie. He sounds like he I knows think what he's doing. I think you know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Rick. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. <clears throat> Excuse me. Texas says, how high... Can I cut branches off Colorado spruce or blue spruce? Well, it uh, boy, you shouldn't have to cut them off at all. That would that it's a shame that uh, they do have uh, a needle cast uh, disease that affects the causes the lower branches, starts at the lower branches and works its way up, and it it's uh, increased when we have high humidity uh, in the summer, and so the needles will drop off, and you can treat the trees for that. Uh, you can contact a certified arborist about how to do that. But if you've already lost a lot of needles, then it's you're going to just have to prune it as as you see fit. I would not prune half of them off because it will look really weird. Um, you want to keep it as natural looking as you can. But um, and if the tree is over halfway, I'd say you know you might want to replace that tree. Mm, okay. Sorry about that. But uh, contact a certified arborist to have them come out and take a look at that and see if there's anything that can be done to help. The it's tree. always a good idea. Yeah, if that's if that's the issue. Now, if the branches are great and you just want to raise them up so you can plant under there or they're maybe in the way, you're just going to have to make the call on how you want that tree to look and, and what accessibility you need under that tree. Texter wants to know, and you're going to have to help me on this, do soil moisture gadgets really <laughs> work for indoor plants? Well, uh, a lot of soil moisture gadgets, uh, these are probes that you, uh, that are digital and you insert them into the soil and they register the moisture level. Um, you need to move them around the plant. If you just put them in one place, that could be the one place that water is still residing. Uh, and, uh, and you want to move them. So you want to try it around different areas of the pot. Some of them come with two probes, which is better. But still, try it in a couple places before you rely on the reading at that point. I, I still think the old, uh, you know, digit works best, and that's sticking your finger in the soil. Okay. But some people don't want to get their fingernails dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Still the best way. Still the best way. All right. Uh, Lifting the pot, too, is good. 
Oh, really? Just yeah, the weight? You, yeah, the weight oh, of the okay. pot. If the All pot's right. really light then you know and it's pretty, it's pretty dry. dry, time to water it. Texter says, I had to move in the Saturday before Super Bowl snowstorm. Oh. I had a Schefflera plant that looks to have died oh. along with two palm plants. Is there anything I can do to bring them back? I've been watering them. Still, all the leaves have fallen That's off. the best thing to do is, is hopefully you just killed the top of the plant and it will re-leaf out from the base of the plant. The palms might be a little <clears> trickier <throat> because we normally don't cut off palms. Uh, once you do that, they don't regrow. So those might be goners. But your Schefflera might be okay. You can always dig it up and, uh, you know, look at the roots and look at the base of the plant and then repot it up and try that. But I would just leave it alone right now. Keep doing what you're doing. Put it in a sunny window. Keep it warmer. <laughs> Warm it up. And um, and uh, you've cut off the dead leaves. That's great. So, But those palms might be kind of iffy. Dexter wants to know, is it too late to prune a maple tree? It is a mature maple, by the way. No, that's fine. You can prune a maple tree now. Last fall, my neighbor, Dexter says, gave me a pod from a a wild milkweed plant. He thought I'd like to plant it in my butterfly garden. How should I do that? Uh, Boy, let's see. I should know this because we get questions about this, but I'm drawing a blank. There's a pod. I think probably some listeners know better than I do, but um, there's. I think that milkweed needs a cold period also. So it it is a slow grower. It is not going to. I don't. You know, it may not bloom the first year, um, but I think getting it out there early enough in the spring so it has some time to germinate and uh, and then go ahead and get started growing um, is the best. Uh, kind of best approach for that. But if you have, if people have planted milkweed successfully, please text in. Okay. 81807 is the text number. Here's a text. My hibiscus plant has lost all of its leaves. There seems to be growth coming from the branches. Yep. It's 10 years That's old. That's a common thing that is happens it? with hibiscus. They'll drop their leaves, uh, especially if you've changed the location. <clears throat> uh, and as long as there's new growth coming, no problem. You could take this time though, to actually prune the tree. So if it's too large or if it's got some crazy branch that's sticking up above everything else, you could. this would be the time to prune it while it's not, uh, you know, while it's just reemerging. A texter is wondering, uh, are tree trimming companies working at this time of the year? I haven't seen any in the neighborhood uh, like I do in the summer, yet it sounds like now might be a good time to have my ash tree trim. Uh, you could contact a tree trim company. I'm sure they do work. Sure, yeah. They're, they, of course, want to work year-round if they can. So it's probably been, you know, it might have been windy. It may have been, oh, we've had quite a bit of snow. Uh, they might have been busy in other parts of the cities. Um, they might be on vacation. I don't know. <laughs> But just contact them. We have a climates. publication on the site on how to find a certified arborist who can uh, also help you too. And that's at extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to lawn or go to yard and garden and, uh, and then go to the tree section. And it's called how to hire a certified arborist. Oh, okay. You could Google that too. Texter wants to know, is it rigorous to be a master gardener? <laughs> Depends on the master gardener. Some, uh, uh, people do as much as they can, and uh, some people put in hundreds of hours every year. Some people put in the minimum 25, and it really is up to the individual how much time they have to – they're all volunteers, so it's it's based on their time to volunteer. But uh, the education is great, uh, if I say so myself. We do a lot with uh, – we, we make a, a real effort and extension as educators to bring new information to Master Gardeners and help them out whenever they need it. 
So um, I always look forward to speaking to master gardener groups and, and uh, a lot of them are my, my buddies and, and we're all gardeners. So we got a lot in common. Yeah, I should say. Uh, Julie, we have a minute or less to go here. Another texter uses uh, uh, water with rain and snow water. My plants are so happy. Oh, yeah, that's what, what's, great. In, in 20 seconds, what's wrong with tap water? Tap water is softened water. It sometimes has more salts in it. It can also be treated with fluorine or chlorine. Right. And there's some sensitivity to that in houseplants. Do you know what that last text is right here? Where can one get bulk? Oh, bulk, bulk. Bulk. Bulk vegetable not bulk. seeds, <laughs> not bulk. Yeah, bulk. Uh, you can order them. So okay. you can order uh, – I just ordered some red ace, uh, some ace peppers. I ordered 500 seeds from uh, one of our seed companies, from All Johnny's. Right. All right. Next week, next yeah. two weeks, it's going to be Kate and Sam. I won't see you now till the end of March. Well, we'll miss you. 24th. 24th. We'll look forward to your return. Yep. And next week we join uh, with Kate and Sam. Uh, we'll talk lawns – yeah, turf and gardening. All right, we've got to run. Sounds Thanks, good. Julie. Yep, you bet. In uh, the Twin Cities right now, some freezing fog. It's nine above. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.